Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the NS9 Post Game Show, part of the Pittsburgh Baseball Now. I'm your host, Anthony Donardo. With me, we have our co-host, Tyler, a.k.a. Wagner to Kutch. And this guy with this dumb, stupid background now. I mean, you give a guy a stream yard, look what he does. Jim Rizzotti. What's up? Hey, I'm just, I'm just showing some support for my dude, O'Neal Cruz. I mean, it's not really a, like that favorable of uh, an image right there, but whatever. It's like so you're saying like I need to find just, another one. He's just like standing behind you. It's kind of creepy. How about this? How about this one? Here, we'll do a new one. Jim's doing like streamyard blackface right now. <laughs> no, that's not what this is. <laughs> But but seriously, he finds a button and that's it. Can't it can't the children always got to play? Anyways, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to the post game show. Pirates lose tonight, three to one. But I don't think all things are bad, considering. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the the game today. Um, JT Brubaker. Hey, first off, let's talk about a pitcher for the Pirates going seven innings in an outing. Jim's gone. See you, Jim. See. Like, I can't – listen, we just came over to the Pittsburgh Baseball Now Network, right? Like, we're doing the post-game shows with them. We're already fired. <laughs> this is not a great start. So in order for me to update my background, I had to log in. And when I clicked the button, it kicked me out. All right. Let's get this on track. You kids, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm just hanging out. Like, what do you want? JT Brubaker, seven innings. Pitch seven well. innings for JT How Brubaker. About that. Yeah, he let's looks good. talk about it. Like, so we've been on JT Brubaker alert since the beginning of May, right? I, I know all of us on the show have been kind of intrigued since last year of what JT Brubaker can do. Kind of fallen off that train a little bit at the start of the season, but to be honest, right, he's doing things differently. That sinker was out. Full force tonight again. I think it threw the four seamer three times, if that's all. Um, but again, very sinker. Heavy. Like, he just he was inducing a lot of soft contact. He was actually still making batters with. I mean, I granted it was three runs, but I look at the start and I come away again, like very, very positive on JT Brubaker. Yeah, and it was against a very good lineup as well. It's not like the well, I mean, we were we were positive regarding Mitch Keller's start yesterday, but I think tonight's more positive because Brubaker faced a real lineup that is not a bunch of cream puffs. That's very fair. Yeah, I mean, this, not this, the is, this, is a, this is a much better lineup than what Keller faced yesterday. And uh, no, the, the sinker, like you mentioned, was working really well <clears throat> through 44 of them. Uh, he threw a total of 99 pitches. Uh, but uh, yeah, very sinker, slider, curveball heavy, sprinkled in just three, four seamers and two changeups. So, uh, yeah, that definitely the, the sinker is playing for Brubaker. Um, I mean, the big thing today was just no home runs. That's usually kind of been his downfall. And so now we can see kind of like, hey, this is this is what he can do if he can avoid the long ball, which he did today. Donardo, isn't it weird what happens whenever people go to outside sources to find pitching tips? Do we have to? Do we have to start this now? 
because I'm telling you, I mean, we, it was World War Three in our group chat. And I know mainly because Jim, again, the child who came and stay on the stream, right, was just, just, just it's so agitating, just egging me on, right, just making me more pissed off than what I already was. But yes, I, I just, this is like one of those things again, right, like with Oscar Marine and the pitching, and yes, we know Mitch Keller, the whole story, whatever, but regardless, like getting back to JT Brubaker this side, like there's a fundamental change in, in what he's doing. Again, he's very, very secret heavy. The four-seamer is basically gone. Uh, <laughs> I swear, Jim, if you <laughs> if you leave this stream again because you're toying around. Um, but yeah, you know, like he fundamentally is different and the results are there. And you guys know how I am. You know, like I don't, I, I hate to just buy into things, but if there's an actual change into something, then I'm, I'm all in for it. Like, let's find out what happens. And like with this situation... I'm all in. I want to keep seeing JT. And I know he had that last outing, which is pretty pretty bad. He gave the long ball. I think it was it three home runs last outing. I could be wrong. Yeah. Give or take. Give or take three. Um, but he definitely gave us some long balls. But like in that stretch, that really was his only bad outing. Like even today, I look at this and it's very positive. It's a, it's a good outing in my eyes. So he has looked every bit of a capable starting pitcher. It's. I just think it's really weird what will happen when you throw a pitch that's harder to hit in the air. It's like someone should have thought of it. <laughs> you're, you're, you're egging me on too. You, you want me to just go off I mean, on the show and I'm not going to do I'm, it. I'm you're not you. going to trap me. I'm really glad there's somebody on that Pirates pitching staff that decided to say, you know what? That four-seamer that everyone's been hitting 500 feet for the last three years, maybe we throw something that they can hit into the ground instead. That'll work. And then we get better. Right. While we're at it, maybe we call our old buddy that is now pitching a lot better somewhere else because this guy don't know what the hell he's talking about that's telling us what to do. And that's what's irritating me. Like, that's why I want to get down to this. Whoever's listening, or we got to make the call. I don't know what it is, but I need to know. I absolutely have to know to either confirm or allow me some, I'll apologize and take some things back. But I need to know why and what led to the fundamental change in JT Brubaker and Zach Thompson. Because we know what it was with Mitch Keller, and we know what Mitch Keller's allowed to do now, and he's allowed to go see the other pitcher that the Pirates essentially failed in Clay Holmes with, and now he's one of the best relievers in baseball. So he's allowed to go talk to him and perfect the sinker that he accidentally just started throwing in a bullpen session and started using games all on his own for, right? And then got the, the okay from the pitching staff, said, yeah, you know what? That kind of makes sense. You guys should do that. Well, like we're not to mention to kind of encourage that Donardo, not to mention basically the front office in the minor league development camp hasn't really changed that much since the last time they decided we're going to throw nothing but two seamers, you know, five years ago when they were all in the two seamer game. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we listen to someone else. Jim. Um, well, with Thompson, it was the cutters, right? He's throwing a lot more cutters than he was. <clears throat> Who knows? Maybe that was something he decided. Maybe that was something Oscar Marine was like, hey, your slider is a pretty good pitch. We should throw one more. Uh... 
What was that? That was you saying Oscar Marie and we want to go to bed. Oh, I thought you were gargling some beer or something. No, but... I was gargling. I was pretending <laughs> to be you with Oscar Marie. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> defending Oscar Marie here by any means. I, I'm not a fan of the guy. You know, he hasn't really shown me much up to this point. But who knows? Who knows who made that decision? Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with going outside the organization for help on a specific pitch. So I don't know what the big deal is. If 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 I have a pitcher and he's wanting to learn how to throw a sinker, I want him to get advice from like the best sinker ball pitcher in baseball, and that happens to be Clay Holmes. So, yeah, ask Clay Holmes how he's throwing his sinker. Ask him for tips. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, if all you're doing is just telling your players, oh, go ask so-and-so, go ask so-and-so, then, yeah, we have a problem. We don't know if that's happening or not. But maybe it was just like, hey, you know what? You you know Clay Holmes. Check with him. See what he's doing. He clearly has an awesome sinker. I don't, I don't see any issue whatsoever with going to Clay Holmes and asking him tips on a sinker. I encourage it, in fact. Like, I want, I want him to go to Clay Holmes and learn about the sinker. By the way, I love the comment. <laughs> if Jim has to get a background from outside, what value is they're adding? Appreciate that. That's that's perfect. But to go along with what you're saying, Jim, like like I get it, and I want to stress that point. And I know we're kind of get off topic here a little bit about like the post game in a sense, but like I'm perfectly okay. And there is an opportunity that maybe you don't know. You're like this is not your strength, so I'm not going to teach it. Let me go. I got this guy. I know this. Let me lead you to this direction and perfect that for you and lead you to get better, right? So, like, if this was a situation for Mitch Keller, and it's like, hey, listen, Mitch, like, first off, you identified and say, you know what, Mitch, I think you might be able to benefit from adding a sinker. Now, that's step one, identification, which doesn't seem to be what, what happened in this situation, right? It seems as Mitch Keller just started throwing that. So there's no identification of the problem. Number two is saying, now, I don't teach this well, but this guy does, or, hey, you know what, Clay's doing as well. You guys have a great relationship. Why don't you talk to him? That's perfectly fine. My issue is you never hear anything of, well, you know what? Oscar approached me, and he said I should start doing this. Or Oscar said this, or Oscar, or anyone, any, any of the, anybody in the organization. Like, it's this guy leaves, and he starts doing X, Y, Z, and now he's a better pitcher again, right, with Clay Holmes. And, and like, what you're hearing is all external things, nothing internally. And that's what bothers me. So again, when it comes to JT Brubaker right now, he's looking like, I'm not going to say phenomenal as an ace, right? But he's looking phenomenal in the sense of what you think and expect of JT Brubaker. He looks like a good pitcher. He belongs in a rotation. Now, mind you, it's now what, seven starts since May, maybe eight or so. Um, but in those starts, he has looked like a very capable pitcher who led the horse to the water to say, stop throwing your four-seamer, throw that two-seamer. To me, that's very important to know going forward with this pitching staff, with his coaching staff, is this the guy? Why, why do we need to know that? The, the, I mean, the because if he's not that, adding any I, value... Then, but why does, why does it matter if me and you know that? Oh, well, it doesn't, but I... There, that's, the, that's what I'm saying. Like... I, the team knows who said it. Why do? Why does it matter if we do? Well, it matters for me to make my definitive decision on <laughs> whether you don't have to have a definitive decision. Like you can just say, "I don't know." You don't. You don't have to come out with a hot take. 
I don't, I don't have think a lot it's of take. But if I'm going to discuss about this organization, I would like to know the information to discuss. And so far, okay. the information that I do know is what's leading me to this decision. But there's some information that you don't know. Yeah, and apparently Oscar Marine doesn't either. <laughs> it's like a two-saber. You don't know it. Again, I'm not so. defending Oscar Marine here. I'm not defending Oscar Marine, but I can't draw a reasonable conclusion off of Brubaker, Keller, Thompson. I can't come up with the like the reason. I can't make a definitive decision on saying this was these players. The players are the reason why they're better, or Marines the reason why they're better. I don't know. I know they're doing better. And I like to see that. So I'm cool with however that happened. <laughs> we have fundamental differences on this. And we could, trust me, I already God. know because we had a group text. I we feel go on like about five hours, but we won't. So, Donardo, did we invite Ethan on this podcast? <laughs> Getting back to the game. So JT Brubaker, right? Um, again, looked very, very good. I'm still encouraged again, like heading, heading forward. We've talked about as a bullpen arm starter. I mean, if he's keeping this up and it's been some time now too, like Tyler, your kind of point past few weeks as well is, you know, it's something they're doing different. So teams aren't like really expecting it. Like it's not part of the scouting report and such. I think at this point in time, you know, like he's been doing it long enough. I think we have a large enough sample. I, I like this JT Brubaker. Yeah. I, I mean, we're at the point in the season right now where that four seamer has been scrapped probably half the year and he's not throwing the four seamer at all. Like if you look at his pitch stats, it's sinker slider. Last year it was four seam slider and four seams yep. essentially gone. So uh, seven innings in the night. Like, I don't know if we thought we'd see that from a Pirates pitcher this year. Pleasantly surprised, I guess. Like maybe he can, Maybe he can actually hedge it out as a like four or five. Maybe. Probably not, but maybe. Buys a lot of hope, though, I'll say. Again, like with, with this future, I think we've talked about this enough. The depth of starting pitching is kind of problematic, especially when you looked at, you know, you can't really expect anything from Mitch Keller, probably not so much from JT Brubaker. Like it's all in the arms and the shoulders of. Ronzi Contreras, and then what it's coming from the minors. So, hey, what if JT Brubaker can be a competent starting pitcher? Then that's a guy that you can pencil in that bull or that rotation going forward. What if Mitch Keller can be a competent starting pitcher now? That's another guy. Like maybe there's actually three pitchers that's part of this future currently on this roster that could be in the in the rotation and give you some quality innings. I, I think this could be a really big win right now. Yeah, I mean, if Brubaker is able to come out and be competent, right, uh, and just pitch okay baseball, that that goes a long way. Because at the beginning of this year, looking at this rotation, it was like, okay, we've got Jose Quintana, who I think is going to be able to do some things, and then who the hell knows what else is going to happen. Um, but now you're kind of looking this, you're looking at the rotation, and it's kind of taking some shape, um, you know. Q's pitching well. Rowanzi's just awesome. 
Um, Keller's been pitching well lately. Thompson's been pitching well lately. Brubaker's been pitching well lately. So the, the starting pitchers have done a pretty good job really since when we, we talked on Monday, since the beginning of May. Um, really, once May hit, the, the starters have been completely different. Um, and they're going deeper in games. They're they're keeping the ball game, ball team in the games. The problem is the offense. I mean, the, the pitching right now is is fine. I mean, it's been it's it's been borderline like really good actually lately. Uh, mm-hmm. The offense is just the issue currently. And as I don't know if I'm a believer in Brubaker long term as a starter. Like I haven't really changed my mindset on him. He still really just has like one good pitch. If you look at the rest of his pitches, they really aren't good um he's just he's getting by right now though uh and like i said the not giving up a homer today was big that's usually what he does he gives up i mean his his home runs per nine innings is even like even in half, this good stretch right? since may 7th yeah. he's given up 1.44 home runs per nine yeah so if you're giving up if you're pitching six innings and you're giving up a homer and there's a guy on base and that can that can derail your start a little bit so that didn't happen today and it ended up working out for him. I think Jim brought up a real good point, actually, about <clears throat> Brubaker having one good pitch. When you watch Mitch Keller as much as he struggles, you see that fastball. You see the two-seamer now with a lot of run, and you see that slider that is just incredible. The curveball works well. They don't have guys like that, which is why they really goes back to the original point. They have to have him work out in the starting rotation. Because there's not guys that grow on trees like that. Talking about Keller. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, Keller. I mean, Keller emerging as a decent starting pitching option goes such a long way when it comes to the future of this of this organization. Because, you know, going this year, Keller wasn't somebody you could count on. You know, you were, you were like, okay, what's this rotation going to look like in two years or three years? And you're like, okay, Contreras probably going to be in there. And then you start looking at some prospects, but there was nothing on the major league team that you could have penciled in for starting rotation two years from now. And now it's starting the thing. I mean, I still want to still I still want to see some more starts get strung together, but Keller looks good. And I know it was against the Tigers his last time out, uh, but he looks he looks pretty good. Yeah, there's just not guys that can pop 95 plus with a two seamer with a curveball and a slider that look like that. Yeah. They, yeah. I mean, we talk about Brubaker being potentially competent, but like you guys said, it's one pitch. There's not right. He has all the stuff. And like, I'm going to get to that a little bit too, like to Keller. Um, like what would you say? So I feel like now, like this is where the, the velocity is really making a play. Because the whole offseason was about his velocity, right? But the fastball still was just bad. You know, like it, great. Who cares? Like just a flat. lot of people can throw 99, right? Mm-hmm. But now he had his two-seamer, and the two-seamer looks, like you said, really good, and it's coming in at 95-plus. So, like, now it's not a two-seamer of, like, like say this was last year and he started throwing it, right? It's not a two-seamer coming in at 92, 93, which is what he was, like, throwing last year, you know, or, or even less. You know, like, this two-seamer has got a lot of run. It's got a lot of movement, a lot of life. And then you said, like, all the other pitches on. He looks really good. Like, yes, you know, the first start he had out, he had five walks, right? But he looked good. Again, kind of gave him, like, that pass. This is his first start, really using it. His last one, sure, it was just the Tigers. You can say that. But, like, looking at him, 
you're getting back to that whole he looks different. Uh, you know, like think about this. The reason we were on the, the train again this spring wasn't because of the velocity. We were poo-pooing the velocity. Like, I don't care. Let me see results. Spring came and he looked very confident. And he was mm-hmm. having a lot of swing to misses, right? And that's why we were on the train. And then the season started and that was gone. I feel like you're seeing him, right, different. And I don't know if a lot of that had to do with just mentally, but maybe mentally he just also just accepted, which he's kind of come out and talked about. We had a conversation with, uh, was it? Who was it? Mackie, I think, because of Cole Tucker yeah. and being DFA'd. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, you know, I kind of felt like that could be me and I don't want that to be me. So like maybe he also is more accepting, like, listen, I got I to gotta figure this out. More ownership on him. And like I said, he just looks like a starting pitcher on top of actually being a starting pitcher again, those results. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me of like, say you're a super talented college basketball team in the tournament and your back's up against the wall and you haven't really been performing, but like all the talent in the world is there and you can be dangerous. But then like once you get that sense of urgency, like it's now or never, like that that team can can, just click, right? And it seems like that hopefully is what happened here. Like his back was against the wall. He was like, I need to do something now or I may not be a major league pitcher anymore. Um, made the necessary changes, implemented them, worked on them. Um, and, and now we're hopefully seeing him turn into the guy that we thought he could be. Maybe not necessarily like the top of the rotation starter like we were hoping you know, no. five, six years ago. But if he can be just like a, a solid number four pitcher or number – like number, if he can be a solid number four pitcher that you can rely on, go out there and keep you in ball games every time you hit end of the ball – I'll take that. I'll take that all day right now. To be fair, like his expected ERA and his FIP are in line with what you would hope for him. I mean, the big thing I think about that two seam is that he has a pitch now that hopefully he can use as something to instead of having to miss the bat with the four seam that he's never been able to do in the majors, mm-hmm. as now he can go to that as either something to, that we saw the first start with him where he caught you looking or just something the weak contact type of pitch because he didn't really have a pitch they could go to to get a double play or anything like that. It's true. Fair point. He had the curveball that, you know, if he caught you off guard yeah. and out in front, then that's one thing. But, yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting to see the, the Mitch Keller turnaround here. So, I, I – I know this isn't really post game talk talking about Mitch Keller, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm, he's like the one guy who just because you mentioned it, Tyler, like the, the stuff is there that like you want to believe, like you, you, it's hard to give up on someone like Keller. Whereas when you look at somebody like Zach Thompson, for example, so maybe a little bit easier to give up on him just because the stuff isn't there. Um, now, with that being said, Thompson's been great lately. Everybody's been great lately. We just need a hit at this point. So let's get to that. So the offense, right? As you mentioned, the offense really hasn't been there tonight. Um, I mean, it was kind of there, just didn't capitalize on it. So we had three hits in the first inning, zero runs. Uh, starts out with Cabrian Hayes just hitting on right up the middle, right through the gap. 
gets on first. Max Free picks him off. <laughs> Great pickoff move. I mean, he was just the, the pause button hit. He like he just stood there, didn't even move. It was like I'm I'm toast. So uh yeah, Brian Hayes was out. Brian Reynolds just blooped his way through all kinds of hits tonight. <laughs> but they count. Hey, maybe that gets so, like, him go- guess- Maybe it gets him going. Like you know, you just need to see the ball. Like in basketball, you just need to see the ball go through the hoop. Maybe he just needs to see the ball go into the outfield every now and then. Yeah. I was gonna say, I mean, like I don't think many of them were really hit worthy, not especially that second one. I jokingly said, like, I thought of Tyler when he hit that ball. I was like, this is the, the one where Tyler's like, I could hit Hendricks. Like, that's that gave all of us hope that we could hit a major league pitcher because that that became a hit. I don't know how that was a hit, but that second one he hit right between first and second was a hit. So um That was a very yeah, weird thing. You know, to say it's it. like things were just kind of falling for him tonight. So uh, again, like we've talked about this before, but maybe this does get him going. I don't know. Um, but I think the, the big news as far as the offense goes, once again, Jack Sawinski, strut your stuff, Tyler. Jack Sawinski goes deep. I seem to remember home run rookie lead. Jim wasn't on that episode, but I seem to remember a certain North Shore nine episode where we discussed like, I don't know, maybe the first couple weeks of Jack Sawinski. And there are certain there was a certain co-host that said, you know what, he's got a little pop in his bat, and then I got a eh. hmm. Well, one of them was against Yadier Molina. Like, yeah, I mean, he's got some pop in his bat. Eh. I just I wonder what that co-host is up to now. That's all I wonder. You should probably be a scout in the majors. Trying to reel this this show together. Jim's logging off. Tyler's camera looks like it's a potato. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to work magic over here doing this stuff. Listen, this is dunk on Donardo night. Fine, I'm up for it. Yes, I did say that because yes, one of his home runs was off Yadi Molina, and I'm not gonna count that. So I'm sorry. I'm also putting an asterisk next to him as a home run leader because one of them was off Yadi Molina. That doesn't count. No, but honestly, here's the thing. He had that hot half. Um, season in San Diego, right? Double A last year before the trade happened where he was, I mean, hitting home runs right and left, right? The ISO was there, comes over to Altoona, dips down to uh, off top of my memory, like 140, I think, was ISO around that. Um, like you look at his exit velocity this year, it's it's not, he's not like up there. It's not like he's Aaron Judge where he's just pounding the ball. So yes, call me skeptic. Two weeks ago when the guy was batting 190, Right with weak exit velocity and like a half season, the minors have ever shown like legit power. Now, I'm still skeptic to a degree. Like, I don't think this guy's gonna hit 30, 40 home runs a year, but I'm pleasantly optimistic in seeing him again. We've talked and discussed how he looks competent up there at the plate. Results are now coming, it's translating, the power's still going. So maybe he he can be a decent everyday player. Like um I'm buying more into the Jacksonwinski train right now than than I was. So yes, Tyler. Yes. I am um 
I'm pretty surprised with honestly what he's doing. You know, when he when he was called up, I was expecting him to be up here for like a couple of days, maybe. You know, before being sent down to Altoona, because we were all wondering, you know, why they bring up guys from Altoona, and it was like, oh well, Indianapolis, the guys couldn't get there in time, right? Like that was the reason why he got called up. And he's just ever since he was called up, he's been a staple in this lineup. He, we mentioned it before about just how comfortable his at bats looked but the results weren't there at the beginning. Now you're seeing him be even more comfortable, honestly. Uh, and the results are excellent. You mentioned the, the exit velocity and all that. And, and yeah, like he doesn't, he doesn't crush the ball every single time he's up there, but he gets some lift on the ball. If you, you know, if you look at his barrel percentage, he's in the 89th percentile in major league baseball when it comes to barrels. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, he may not be hitting the ball hard, but when he does hit the ball hard, he hits it in the air and those balls are going over the fence. Like it's, it's, uh, it's been a really, really good turnaround for him. Um, I mentioned it today too, during the game, I think today's at bat was, was like nine pitches, eight pitches. And I feel like he's done that a lot lately where he will, he will put together these good at bats and fight and fight and fight. He'll foul off pitch after pitch after pitch until that pitcher makes a mistake or gives him a ball that he can get the barrel to. And he's winning those battles. Like I, I want to say like four of his last home runs, he's seen at least like eight pitches. Like they're, they're long at bats. They're three, two counts. He's fouling pitches off and he's finally getting that pitch he can handle and he makes a pitcher pay. So I said, all, all, all those comfortable at bats, him looking good up there. We're finally starting to see like the results come with it. And couldn't be happier with where he's at right now. Um, I I'm not really ready to like anoint him the, the, the you know starting right fielder for the next six years, but I want to see more of him every day. Um, he's one of the more interesting people in this lineup right now, um, and, and it's just one of those things where you know it's refreshing to see you know you you load up this farm system with with talent, and yeah, like you really get excited about those top top guys. But like this is just a guy that was kind of acquired for depth, right? I mean, he was he wasn't a top twenty. I mean, what's 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 Jack Swinsky on Fangraphs? He's the team's number thirty like prospect. He was number thirty, so team's thirtieth prospect, and now you're seeing him kind of bust out. Um, no triple A time whatsoever, and uh, it's it's good to see. Um, because the more you I just want to say, guys to be like fair, this, though, I feel like at the time of the trade, though, I think he was like number 16 in the Padres. I think he was higher than 30. Well, that, that was after the Padres traded away like 40 players. Well, and, and, right. And I, I get years. that. It's so, fair. I just want to make some comparison <laughs> yeah. there, though, too. But that's what I mean. Like the Pirates have stockpiled so many guys who aren't necessarily like they're Good. not going to show up in top 100 rankings, but they've got some talent to them. And you hope that just out of those guys, you just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate something clicks for a couple of them. And hopefully Swinsky is one of those guys where you, know, you weren't really expecting much from him, but all of a sudden he busts out and you found your, you found a starting outfielder kind of like the way Brian Reynolds happened. Right. I mean, he was the same way. It wasn't really heralded when he came over. It wasn't heralded when he was in the system came up. Now you've got, you know, your, your everyday outfielder of the future. Yeah. And the thing about Swinsky is he went, me and the daughter were ready to 
sent him back down a couple weeks ago, I think. And yeah. he went through a phase there in May where he was striking out over plus 30% of the time. And we're starting to see that tighten up a little bit. It's still not probably where you want to see it, but that power is really starting to show a hair. And like Jim said earlier, he lifts the baseball. The swing works. You'd like to see a few more walks in this game, but I mean, there's something there that the guy definitely belongs in the major leagues. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm with it. I'm with it. You know, yes, Tyler, you and I were discussing it. It's like at, at some point results have to come, you know, you can only get away and being here long enough by just looking the part the results have to come. And I feel like it was the moment where we discussed that is when the results started coming. And so like, good for him. And like, this is why, like, again, how much we pound the table, like development does happen in the major leagues. Like you don't just have to be hundred percent ready and see the major leagues and then just take off. So for him, again, he'd never seen, I mean, spent some time in double a, he'd never seen triple a yet. He comes right up. So maybe with some catching up and to Jim's point about all the foul balls, like all the pitch, the pitch counts going deep and such for him. That's the things we were discussing from day one. Also from him, it's just the results weren't there. Like he was having, it seemed like every time Jack Swinski was up, it was a full count. Just at that point in time, they were ending in usually fly out, you know, or something like that. Not so much a K, but it was, it was becoming an out. And now they're mm-hmm. translating the hits and now especially home runs. So it was like maybe things are starting to click. Like development's there. I want to see him as long as I can. And hopefully things work out that you never see him go back down. Like he's here to stay. And that would be great. So I'll go ahead. I think the one like really encouraging part right now is that this team's confident enough to put him in the three hole. Like they're not hiding him in the lineup. So he's going to face the breaking ball a lot which we saw him struggle a little bit with the night, but we also saw him put one over, over the wall. But Yeah, I mean, that was a Max Freed slider. Like, that wasn't some, yeah, some that, bum pitcher, that, you know? That was like, a very impressive piece of hitting yeah, right there. Yeah. And we're not seeing, you know, a Yu Chang in the three-hole or whoever the hell else, at Van Bader. I don't know. <laughs> right. So, Yoshi. I mean, it's kind of encouraging that they're confident enough and where he's at right now that, they're willing to put him right behind Brian what Brian Reynolds. That's a fair point. What would what would you have said if I told you opening day? You know, because we knew Bobby Wood Jr. was was making the majors, Julio Rodriguez, Spencer Torkelson, all these guys were were on major league opening day rosters. And I was like, guys, on June 9th, Jack Sawinski is gonna lead all major leaguers, major league rookies in home runs. Like, this is wild. It's a wild thought. It really is. Because first like, off, how many things went wrong that Jasowitzki <laughs> is in the majors over like the laundry list of players you would have expected to begin with, right? And then it's like, did he just have like five home runs in a week? Which actually kind of has done. So I take that back. That is part of it. <laughs> go back to four. that. I think it's four in the last 10 days. Yeah. You go back to that and you tell me Jasowitzki has seven more major league home runs than O'Neill Cruz in June. I probably want to light myself on fire. Well, but, good thing you so did. let's <laughs> let's talk about this too a little bit. We can tie this in because we did have a comment here, a question. So Anthony does say, "Do you feel differently about the Fraser trade with how Sawinski and Marcano have hit in Pittsburgh?" 
I'll let you guys start off with that. I don't think either of those to me are irrelevant. It's more that Adam Frazier just kind of stinks now. So it made me feel a little better. Because we went through so many trades where everyone improved so much that it was nice to have someone get traded and then stink that I'm okay with it now. That's true. Um, I, and I don't know if the Pirates could have gotten more for Adam Frazier. Clearly, this was what they settled on as the best package. Uh, at the time, I wasn't super-duper high on the trade. I didn't really find much interest in Sawinski or Marcano. Definitely not Marcano. But, uh, yeah, I would say my my thinking on the trade has changed because of those two. Like, I think Marcano is carving out a potential role on this team. Um, potential role on this team. And and Sawinski, Sawinski could be an everyday corner outfielder. Like, it, it's possible at this point. I'm yeah. far more <clears throat> I think Sawinski than Marcano. <laughs> where, where I'm at with this, I don't really care too much what Adam Frazier is doing today. Okay, like the time of the trade, here's his value. You get that value back. What always worried me at that time was Marcano being the headliner. Just puzzled by it. Again, why? I still have my doubts with Marcano. And, and his question does say, too, like his time in Pittsburgh. I mean, it's very, very limited. But I'll give him like he's, he has clicked in double-A. And his time in Pittsburgh, we saw the two home runs. And that's just something he simply just didn't think he could do. So he proved that it can be done. Now there's going to be consistency. That's the next thing. So I'm, I'm not really even that intrigued in Marcano because I still just kind of feel like he is at best going to be a utility player. Um, he has great defense. It's almost like he, we, we joke. He's Cole Tucker light, right? It's almost like he, I feel like he's going to become what we hoped Cole Tucker could become. Has really good defense, can play all over, and the bat's just good enough to, to, to be there, right? That's what I always say with Cole Tucker. Like That's why he's going to play all over because if he can have a valuable glove and play every position with just a, a bad bat, you can make it. His is just worse than bad, and his defense was not good in the outfield either. So, But my thing is, and we talked – I actually went back to the show and listened to Jim. Um, we talked about Marcano and Sawinski, and the thing we said was, I mean – Swinski could become the better player of this. And it's showing that I think he is. And that's good. So, I mean, with it, I'm feeling more comfortable with the trade because of Swinski's development. Um, so that's, that's, that is where I'm at. It would have been nicer if it wasn't Marcano in my eyes. It was somebody else. <laughs> that's where I'm at. But uh, yes, Swinski's development is certainly surprising me pleasantly. And I feel more comfortable with that trade. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So I guess to move on. Um, so we're talking prospects. Travis Swaggerty got his very first hit technically tonight. <laughs> That's, what a memorable first hit on that one, right? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if tomorrow they yeah. came out and they were like, hey, this was an error. Yeah, we looked at right. it again. But uh, I will say this, and it's a little, little frustrating. Like, he's he's been up here for three. Like, he didn't start against the righty, but he's got two starts against lefties. I wish they would 
you know, maybe ease him in a little bit more against righties instead of lefties. But in the minors, he could hit lefties um, just fine. So maybe it's not a big deal for him. But that was just something that kind of popped in my head as they started him against the lefties, didn't start him against the righties. I think they're in a weird outfield crunch right now. They have, um, no, well, they have no righties anyways. But they're in a weird spot where you got Brian Reynolds and then three guys that you'd like to see. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who the odd man out right now is. I mean, I guess it's just, in my opinion, Cal Mitchell, because I we've seen enough that he hasn't really performed that well, but he has performed well. I just want to see Swaggerty. I mean, no matter what, I'm going to complain on who's not in the lineup. Right. I wish one of them could play the infield. The most frustrating part of all of it is, you know, when one of them is sitting, Yu Chang is playing. Yeah. Yes. So it's like, and I really wish, and we brought it up before already, but I would really like to see a Cal Mitchell at first base, just like experiment, see what happens. So that way you can get Mitchell in at first. You can play Chavis at second, right? Instead of Chang, um, go Swaggerty, Reynolds, Swinsky in the outfield, Vogelbach at DH for for now, right? Um, that's what I wouldn't mind seeing. I don't know if Cal Mitchell's just never played first base in his entire life. It's possible, but the guy is not a very good defensive outfielder, <laughs> from what we've seen so far. Uh, the arm is non-existent. Um, he just played that ball the other day just terribly. Uh, so I would be – that's kind of where I'm at right now. Cal Mitchell, as far as outfielders go, odd man out. I don't really think he's he's good enough to be an outfielder, quite honestly. Um, see if he can play first. See if he can play DH. He's going to have to hit, though, if you want him to really be at either of those positions. But you might as well find out now. Yeah. Yeah, um, I feel I think the other tough part is Dan Vogelbach because he has the DH. Yeah. So he's, well, and and you have to keep him in the lineup because he's hitting. So he's so so kinda, let me he's making this. it difficult. So that's kind of where I'm at here because I think if you look at the outfield, Sawinski, and that's the other thing to talk about Sawinski, right? That's another reason why I've always felt like he has a longer leash because not only was he an outfielder by name, which is something the Pirates didn't have. He actually played the position very well. Like he was a very, very good outfielder, also. So you have Swinsky in the outfield who's very good. Swaggerty, of course, you assume is going to continue to be a very good outfielder. And of course, there's Reynolds out there. So, like with the three of them, you have a very good, competent outfield. Cal Mitchell, not so competent. I'm not saying he's a bad outfielder by any means, but he's not a good outfielder, I feel like. So he's not producing as far as hits go but let's let's be fair too. Swinsky wasn't either at this point in time like in his major league path right and eventually started clicking so like I'm not going to sit here and say well Cal Mitchell doesn't look good let's get rid of him now because it's not totally fair to him let's give him some more at bats but he does in my eyes he's the last of the picking order right so to Jim's credit like he's saying too well you know you Chang's playing second base I mean he's terrible all over the place so what is the harm of getting Vogelbach in there at first base here and there? Because think about value and just the, the team in itself, right? A Yu Chang and a Chavis, like Yu Chang offensively hurts how, how hard and defensively hurts how hard. 
getting him out there and just taking the little bit of lack you're, you're getting in Vogelbach and his defense at first. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the team's still better off overall, even though it's a bad defense at first. Hell, you had Yoshi there for, for how long, right? You know what I mean? So, like, at least Vogelbach can hit is what I'm getting to. So, like, why don't you find ways to maybe get Cal Mitchell in there by, by Cal Mitchell being a DH, Vogelbach at first? Reynolds DH, you know, like however yeah, you, you do it. But like, why can't we get maybe Vogelbach some reps at first? So you Chang doesn't have to play, and that way you can see all those guys that you want to see. There you go. Can you hear me? I I don't disagree with you, Elden. No, yeah. And yes, we can. Um, but I don't, I can't disagree with you whatsoever. It it comes more to me about my complaint about Shelton is I don't know if he knows what he's doing, lineup construction. I don't know where it's coming from, but it's a nightmare. Crack. All right. And yeah, there we go. yeah, we got yeah, his Yeah, Cal Mitchell's arm is not playing right field. And right, I mean we're clearly seeing that. So and like to Jim saying, maybe get him some reps at first. Like, I'd be okay with that. But the thing is, it's not just Cal Mitchell. It's that there's a handful of guys behind him as well that are probably going to be able to get some outfield reps. Like, if Cal Mitchell doesn't work out, Kanan Smith and Jigba's right there. Hell, O'Neill Cruz might be there. Who knows? Marcano Mar- that just got mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like and then you also have like ben, ben Gamble, Gamble and Jake Marisnik or yeah, on the IL. Like, you can't just like forget guys. about those guys. Yeah. So at some point, something's got to be done here where the Yu Changs of the world have to go by the wayside, which right. they will, but it's don't waste at bats with them and let's find out what's going on with the guys that are up here now. That we, Yu Chang, Van Meter, we know they're gone. We don't need to see more. Let's find out what we got with those four, and then we'll figure it out from there. Yeah, sorry, my my mic cut out there for a second, but um, you mentioned Vogel back at first base, and I, I think they're they're gonna like if you want all those guys to play, you've got to try Vogel back at first base because there's if he's a DH, then that takes a spot away for one of those four guys. And, you know, you've got to have Reynolds in there, obviously, but then you want to see the other three. And, and you know, maybe you just do a little alternating thing where, you know, you start two out of three games. Everybody just starts two out of three games, right? Maybe that's what they do. Um, I'd like to see more of that, more more than just two out of three, especially with Swinsky. I mean, Swinsky's basically in every day. He doesn't sit anymore at all. Um so yeah, Vogelbach played 421, uh, 407 innings last year at first base. I just looked it up. Uh, he started 52 games there. So I mean, that was a year ago, and he wasn't awful. Like he wasn't good by any means, uh, but uh... He, he wasn't good. <laughs> but like he wasn't awful. Um. So I wouldn't mind. Am, am I mistaking then? Because I'm not doing this like 2020 last three years. Right? He's like the second worst first baseman in baseball, like over whatever span it was. I mean, he only played 52 games. Oh, was that it? Like he's ever played any? What about in Seattle? 
What am I talking about last year? Well, I know I'm saying like and even in yeah. the past. And listen, he wasn't good. That's what I'm saying. But like, we're used to shitty first place, first base play. Anyways, he's not going to be that much worse than Yoshi, if right. any worse at all. And, and that's, that's fair. I, I just want to, I just want to put perspective. Like he's, we might be able to go back and forth, and we're splitting hairs. He's pretty bad. But even him being pretty bad is an upgrade over what's there, which is Yu Chang at second base. And him DHing. Like, that's what I'm getting at. Like, I would take the bad defense and Vogelbach there to have Mitchell there, opposed to Vogelbach as a DH and have Yu Chang in the lineup. So, regardless, I mean, yes, I, I do. I'm with you. Like, I want to see him there so that way you get these other guys in the lineups and Yu Chang out. I would take Vogelbach getting DFA'd or whatever they got to do with him to let everyone else get in the lineup. Vogelbach's not going to be here next year. I'm just, for example, like I would take that just to get everybody else in the lineup that needs to be in the lineup. Well, he has another year. I don't care. He has an option. He's not part of the future. I don't care. (sighs) Yeah. I'm I'm using that as an extreme example. I don't think he's going anywhere. No, I don't think he. Okay. I don't think but he's in DFA. I'm just saying I, I would take him. Yeah, I don't need him on team. Like, I give me what we got. Let's I think find at out. this point, like, I still want the offense to not be completely inept. So, like, having him is having him in there is good because, like, he he does he does put together good at bats. He sees a lot of pitches. He gets on base, and there aren't too many people in this lineup who you can say that about. So, like, he's still, I think is kind of earning his keep for now. But yeah, if, if at some point he goes in just is terrible, right. And he has a prolonged stretch of being bad. It's not like they're paying him a ton of money. I, I would, I could definitely flip to your line of thinking within a span of three to four weeks. And I guess it's wrong. Matt is like his line of thinking I understand the logic behind it, but I just feel like it's so far down the pecking order of other things. Like to see Vogelbach DFA and Yu Chang still here, I'm flipping this table. And I know what you're saying. Like I get the line of thinking. It's just we shouldn't have to reach that point. There's plenty of other options we can we can do beforehand than to get that extreme. Yeah, I'm. It's more that I prefer. It's just that I prefer to see younger guys in the lineup. That's all. Yeah, and and I get that. having Dan Vogelbach yeah. in the lineup. I just I don't care enough to see him hit for a one twenty weighted run, runs created plus, and that's an upside right. of him. But I just but it's he's like not part of the future. Chang's here is what it is, and then Van Meter will eventually be here, and then Kevin Newman will eventually be here, and it's like how about all those guys? Like let's maybe just get rid of them before we get rid of Vogelbach. I would gladly get rid of all of them. <laughs> right. So that's all. That's where I'm at. To be fair, Vogelbach has not been good since he's come out off the IL. Yeah, he's been but... very bad. Maybe there's something more to the injury. Well, let's yeah, find out it's quickly. Been in five games, too, so it's not a ton of time. But you're right. Ever since he's come back from the injury, I mean, he's two for. 
I don't want to do the math. These two hits. I mean, <laughs> he's two for that's the math. <laughs> 76 weighted runs created plus. That was before tonight when he went 0 for 4. So that's worse now. But I mean, just to push also, it back from you put it back to May 1st. He's hitting 167, 282, 364, 84 runs. Wins, I, weighted runs created plus. He's been bad for a while. His issue is I don't think he has – like he should not be in the lineup against a lefty at all. And no. they've been doing it a couple times here lately. And like uh, under no circumstance should he really be getting at bats against lefties. It's fair. So let's maybe bring up um, some more young bucks. Right, the, the the star of the show to begin the season, right? We, let's see Diego Castillo. Diego Castillo. Uh, I think the luster's wearing off a little bit on Diego Castillo. So tonight he goes over three, three strikeouts as the Golden Sombrero. Has an OPS now of five fifty four. Now I'm not saying like okay, we're done with Diego Castillo. We give up on him, but he got his taste. We've seen the other guys come up. There's word that O'Neill Cruz, like the guy behind Jim right now. Could be near on a call up. Ironic how that turns out. Super two passing, but anyways. So there's there's word he's coming up. So I feel like I mean, is it writing on the wall? Do you guys feel like Diego Castillo maybe could use some more time in the minors? Like that's the the switch coming up, or maybe even beforehand. Um. Yeah. I, mean, I got. I got to think when you're looking at people who, if O'Neill Cruz is ready, right, and you're thinking, what's the move? Castillo makes sense, right? You could send him down to AAA. He could be the everyday shortstop there, get everyday mm-hmm. playing time, get some some at-bats to kind of figure it out because he really has looked a little bit overwhelmed at times um, in the majors. He uh, He's not hitting well at all. And I feel like he hasn't been hitting all, and really all year long. Since spring training he was, but he never really got out of the gate you know, that quick. Uh, and he's kind of just been sputtering. Defense has been pretty good from him. Um, but yeah, I think he could definitely benefit from some some triple A playing time. He's only had he only has 18 games of triple A baseball under his belt. Um, so send him down there, kind of reacclimate himself, get some confidence. Uh, but yeah, I think I think when Cruz is called up, which is hopefully soon, Castillo's probably the guy that gets sent down. Because you know he's going to lose playing time. Like we're, we're, at that point, he's not going to play. Yeah, and that's what I was going to add too. Like if if Cruz comes up, there's your shortstop. We already talked about the the depth in the outfield now, so it's like where's where's Castillo even really going to play at? I don't. You could say second, guys. but but then you also have Marcano, Van Meter, and Chang. <laughs> but that, Chang's Chang's gone as soon as. As soon as, and, and I mean, not a fan of Yoshi, but as soon as Yoshi is activated, as soon as a human comes gone. off, Chang's <laughs> yeah. yeah. gone. As soon as like a body comes off the IL, you're right. Um, so he'll be, he'll be out of here soon. And I got to think Castillo is probably the guy who goes down for Cruz when that happens. I tend to agree with you, but you look at Diego's numbers. I mean, his expected weighted on base average is 327, which is well above average of 
major league hitters. He's put together good at bats. It's not falling for him, but like Jim already said, it's one of those he's not going to get time. So there's no reason to keep him up here. You got to give him regular at bats, and he's the clear option, I think. And they're going to need to have a Josh Van Meter to DFA whenever they need to. Right. It's coming. <laughs> We're close. We're close, boys. We're close. Anthony and brings I, up though, he's been barreling some balls, and that's true. Like you can know, like you can tell he's he's been hitting a lot of balls far and hard, but they they get they get caught at the warning track. Yeah, I I said I think he would be a very yeah. good twenty fifth man on a good team. Not right now. He's bad right now. I mean, there's no way around it. He's bad. That was a joke towards our group text, but nobody gets yeah. it. And you were saying that about Van Meter, which was wildly oh, incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Shut that up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, again, like I'm still encouraged by Castillo, but he's just not having any like, playing time. Like it would just make a whole lot of sense for him to go down so that way he's playing every day. Cruz is going to be coming up here shortly, hopefully. And so, like, that's the thing, too. Like, this is a really exciting point of time to a degree. Like, I say really exciting because it's been very disastrous for, for quite some time. Just the fact that you're getting fresh blood and soon we won't see the chains. We won't see the van meters. You know, like, you're seeing players that you want to see. Now, how they perform is a different different level, right? How good the team becomes is I don't think anyone really cares about. It's just that you're you're finally seeing players that are capable, that are part of the future. You know, have some performance where you change just isn't Vaminer isn't right. Kevin Newman isn't. So I mean, we're we're there, and so I don't know the, the guy that's again it's behind your your yourself right now, Jim O'Neill Cruz. It's another home run tonight. Did you see it? I didn't. I saw the, the ball out that was hit 170 miles an hour. The ball probably would have bounced on the plate. Like that's how low it was. Breaking ball down. He golfed it, and he hit it 440 feet. <laughs> like, so it was like the, the mean, all bias. He just, cru- just went out crushed the it. And it was like how like I want you to, as soon as we're done here, make sure you watch that video. It's I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he actually hit the ball that far. He's an anomaly. You know what I'm happy about? The fact that we're joining the PBN network at this time and not the beginning of the year when I said I don't want to watch Pirates games. And now I kind (laughs) of want to watch Pirates games. And now all of a sudden we're doing post-game shows. So I don't hate having to watch them. It's a good time of the year to do post-game shows now and because there's actually reasons to watch games. Hopefully, even more of a reason to watch games in about a week from now. Yeah. Tomorrow is a very good reason to watch a game for about, eh, hopefully, six innings. Very much. After that, I mean, I'll probably tune out, but. (laughs) (laughs) There's reason to watch now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm. Well, tomorrow's Rosie Day. 
when I say excited, you know, again, like there's really hasn't been a whole lot to be excited about these past few years and we're getting there. This is the time that like, you're finally seeing the future, like this rebuild is starting to come to some fruition. We so, said at the beginning of the year that just survive until like June. That's all we got to do. Just survive it because it's going to be a long few months and then it'll start to come. So and even when Thursday, that does happen, you're still going to have like the issue that you're going to have with this lineup now from a consistency standpoint is you're going to be starting like five rookies a night, which is fun. Like from an interesting standpoint, like I, I, I want to watch that the, yeah, no right-handed bats at, <laughs> at all. Um, Key Brian Hayes, like the only righty on the team, um, <laughs> but there, you are going to, you're, you are going to run into some nights where they're just like overwhelmed and overmatched just because there's so many rookies out there, but then you'll also have nights where like exciting stuff happens because you know they're wanting to to make an impact and you know you see Jack Swinski walk offs and stuff like that. So um, no, it should be exciting. I'm really looking forward to Cruz coming up. Hopefully, it's very very soon. You mentioned tomorrow Contreras, um, another start against like another really good young pitcher too. So he's got he went up against Mackenzie Gore a couple weeks ago. Now he's going up against Spencer Strider. So um, I think Strider was a 2020, 2020 draft pick. So he made it up to the majors pretty quick. Um, he's, and he looks pretty good too. So it should be a fun, like I said, if you like that Mackenzie Gore game with, with Rowanzi, this one should be, should be pretty good too. No, I think nice. we've kind of, we've survived the point of the unwatchable days they should be getting to the point where they're going to start become watchable. Yep. And like what I want to point out too, because there's certainly some chatter about this, right? Like, oh, you know, a team full of rookies, they can't win. Well, it's very improbable that, you know, they, they could win. But I think what we're missing out on is just the label that a, a team full of rookies can't win. Well, this team that was constructed before the rookies came up certainly couldn't win. Yeah, it was terrible. It. You know, like these guys aren't major leaguers for the most part. So like, I just, I don't, I hate that line of thinking because yes, this team isn't going to now just suddenly win. But I think what we're missing out on is this team can probably at least be competitive in games. There was plenty of times these teams weren't competitive. I mean, again, Jim was at the game for Christ's sakes, Chicago, right? When they put up 20 spot, like this team was awful. So what you're seeing now is, you know, like you said, like there's going to be nights where th they look lost, right? And they don't click. Well, that was every night. Like Josh Van Meter was in the lineup for how many weeks? You know, Yu Chang is in the lineup now. Like all these guys are terrible. They never clicked. <laughs> so it's like at least you're yeah. going to have those nights where these guys are clicking and do something, right? Jack Swinski hits the walk-off home run and such. You know, I mean, these, these guys, even though they're going to go through the rough spells, right? And there's going to be some rough stretches, and there certainly will. Thing is, this has been one month long rough stretch for the Pirates until these guys started coming up. So you're going to start seeing some good things happen. And the thing is, like these are guys you're invested with. O'Neill Cruz probably is going to be a lot better than Kevin Newman ever was than Diego Castillo is right now. You know, so even though he's a rookie, he's going to make this team better. The same way Jack Swinski, as a rookie, has already made this team better. 
you know, and Ronji Contreras as a rookie is making this team better because the thing is these guys are rookies, but they're way better than the guys they're replacing, which again speaks that they should have been here April 7th in St. Louis. At the very Maybe least, the yeah. the draft pick. At the very least, you have a few innings to tune in for, and you got a few at-bats to tune in for. We didn't have that before. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with you. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying a team can't win with rookies. They absolutely can. And, again, this team wasn't constructed to win without rookies. So it's not – this team isn't going to get worse because they're bringing up O'Neill Cruz and they're – sending down or they're DFAing Yu Chang, right? Oh yeah, Kevin Newman. Can't wait for him. Got the other right here bat Jim. Yeah. Kevin Newman. I can't wait for O'Neill Cruz to sit on the bench for Kevin Newman. <laughs> I, I don't know what's gonna like this is another topic from the day, but yeah. If these rookies, right, these young guys are playing the way they're playing, what happens with Kevin Newman at that point in time? I mean even what happens like Ben Gamble. Like, I mean, Ben Campbell doesn't have room because, like, you really want to see Sawinski and Swaggerty and Mitchell. And then you get Ben Gamble back, who's like actually a competent, he's one of the very few competent major leaguers that were, that was on this team to begin with. And so now you get Ben Gamble in, and it's like, well, what do you do with Ben Gamble? And then you got to so mind you, well, maybe, maybe you trade Ben Gamble, right? You know, that's, yep. that's, that's an interesting thought there, but you're also not going to get anything for him. Like if you trade Ben Gamble to a contender, he becomes a fourth outfielder bench bat. No one's giving you anything substantial for that. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Well, let's say before the trade deadline comes, which you're right, like you probably get traded. Now, mind you, he was taking reps at first. So maybe that's also your first base answer. Because you say what happens to Ben Gamble, maybe, maybe the writing really is what happens to Yoshi. Well, he goes, and then maybe Ben Gamble now becomes your first baseman. No, I mean, the other part of that equation is Mason Martin. Eventually. Maybe I that's think Martin, when the trade happens. I think Martin has more of a chance to stay in AAA for a while. I, but... I would agree, but there's a lot of moving pieces with all of this. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm alluding to. So – Ben Gamble becomes the first baseman for the most most part, right? The majority. Trade deadline comes, and that's Mason Martin's way of getting up to the majors. Maybe. I don't know. It's going to be a fun July. Hopefully a fun it second is, half actually. of June. Hopefully it's fun second half of June, fun July. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. once this team has once this team has crews on it, like it should be a lot more fun. Like, because then you're thinking Hayes, Cruz, Reynolds, Sawinski seems fun. Um, they're gonna find a catcher, goddamn. The catching is not fun. They're just, you just gotta, there's a guy back there, and that's it. Pirates fans buckle up because, like, mid 2023, maybe we got Henry Davis. Yeah, hopefully. Did he get hit by a pitch again tonight? No, he caught a no hitter tonight. Bradenton Marauders through Bradenton Marauders threw a no hitter tonight. Henry Davis was catching. Yes. So, and it was also give, I will give other Jim interesting all, news. I'll give Jim all the credit in the world. Henry Davis looks like a stud. Consensus, consensus number one overall pick. 
according Jeez. to Peter Dammit. <laughs> He's a stud. <laughs> Duke can swing it. Um, Davis did get hit by another pitch today, by the way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which I think is his like 15th or 16th of the season. Just something stupid. No, I think it's his 13th, does... but it's 13 of 25, right? 25 games? No, it was 12 and 25. So it's 13 and 26 games. In half the games, he's gotten hit. Um, but no, so interesting day though for for Bradenton today though. So Henry Davis had a rehab start there, caught a no hitter. The first three innings of that no hitter, Quinn Priester, his first outing of the year, three three hitless innings, and then four hitless innings. Anthony Solometo came in and pitched four scoreless hitless innings. So good day for the uh, the Marauders there. Nice, nice. But yeah, he does have padding on his left elbow and his left wrist, so that's good. But yeah, he needs to cut down on those. Really, what once you hit the majors, then hopefully you've got pitchers who are throwing strikes and not hitting you as much. Right. Hopefully. <laughs> Actually, this is kind of funny because the irony in it. Because Anthony says, "Is he getting hit because if he's talking to Kendall?" <laughs> Kendall's giving them pointers. <laughs> right. Hey, kid, yeah, you want to get out of hell? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you out of hell, kid. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So I guess we can kind of wrap this up. Pirates do lose three to one. They played again the Braves tomorrow, four game series. It's Rowansy Day. So something to look forward to. Any, uh, any last words before we go? Nope. I don't think so. No. A lot of strikeouts tomorrow. So if you're a strikeout guy, Spencer Strider is a strikeout guy. Contreras is a strikeout guy. Probably going to be a lot of strikeouts. I'm going to check that out. I'm going to smash some things tomorrow. (laughs) 13 and a half strikeouts per nine for Strider this year. Yeah. And it's the Pirates. And it's the Pirates. Yeah. Yep. They had 13 strikeouts tonight. <laughs> Fresh right so. on right on cue. <laughs> right. And and Contreras right. is a 10. Contreras is a 10. So a lot of strikeouts tomorrow. Cool, cool, cool. cool. All right, we'll be back. So again, tonight was Thursday. So usually our, our podcast night's a little bit longer, but tomorrow we'll be back for the post game, of course. And so forth. So we will see you then. Bye-bye. Sarah Scouts. See you guys.